you will have a lower time preference based on this knowledge. You will start to think, hey, I better take some action today. I better start to strategize my portfolio, my income, my savings to qualify for the down payment, my TDSR and the loan. And I need to start to plan because if I don't plan now, three years later, I might be priced out. The reason is because if you have the knowledge of the upcoming supply and the upcoming demand projection, of course, we do not have the crystal ball, but if you look at facts and figures and statistics and you see in terms of policies and the way things are going in Singapore, then that will help you to make a decision based on time, preference, economic perspectives. So, and... All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our next episode of Nuggets on the Go. Today is a solo episode. So I'm going to talk about this concept called time preference. What is time preference? Time preference is an economic term used in certain kind of, uh, what should I say, uh, school of thoughts of um, economics uh, theory. So of course, there's um, different school of thoughts or economics theories over the years, but it really depends on what you subscribe to. But this time preference concept is timeless, is very useful, especially if you are thinking about the perspective of real estate. And even if you're not thinking about the perspective of real estate, you can apply to many parts of your life to make economic decisions or life decisions. Let me just give you an example. I'm going to use three different examples to share with you in terms of what is the definition of time preference. But let me first define time preference for everybody's understanding because this will be very helpful if you're thinking of whether should you buy a property now or buy a property three years down the road or five years down the road or maybe next year, right? Uh, it will also help you make a decision if you are in the midst of renting and you're thinking of when should you stop renting if let's say you have decided to settle down in Singapore for the long run, um, assuming you are working in Singapore as an expat or uh, maybe you are uh, somebody that has already moved out of your parents' home or your uh, main family's home and then you are in out in the market renting for a couple of years already and uh, or maybe you are in uh, a season of your life that you're still accumulating a down payment to buy your, your first home but you're not living together with your parents um, but you are on your own and you are renting or maybe doing co-living and you are in, in this mind space that, hey, should when should I stop renting? When should I continue? So let me define time preference. Time preference basically has two kind of classification. One is what we call a low time preference. One is called a high time preference. Low time preference means that you prioritize the future compared to now. Not saying that now is not important, but in the now present moment, you feel more secure, which is why you are able to prioritize the future. So this is called prioritizing the future and you are planning for your future. And uh, you can then practice delayed gratification. But usually, in order for this to happen, your present needs to be secure. And later, I'll come to more definition of what this means. So for, for now, just bear with me a little bit, all right? So basically for somebody that's low time preference, their present situation is they feel more secure, which is why they start to plan for their future and they can then practice delayed gratification. Now, when it comes to somebody that has more high time preference, it means that they actually prioritize 
today or maybe next week or next one month or this year more than their future. That means right now, the present moment is more important. Survival is more important. They feel that now, um, maybe times are bad. Their job is not secure. Their business is not secure. Now is more important. So they prioritize the present more than the future. And because the present is, is, is not that secured, they will tend to put off planning for the future. All right. So they usually put off planning for the future. Now, this has a little bit to do with also like, um, you know, the hierarchy of needs by Maslow, right? So um, for those of you who have studied economics a little bit, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, usually a person will start to feel more secure when they satisfy their lower levels of need. And usually it starts with physical needs, basically your shelter, your day-to-day -day food, um, your health. And um, basically you need definitely a home to, to, to live in every night. You need to make sure that uh, monthly in terms of your income wise is, is pretty consistent. And, and also your health uh, is in a good shape. And once you're satisfied, basically all your physical needs, then you move on to um, higher tier kind of needs like relationships. And then of course the final one will be your self-actualization, right? You want to do philanthropy, you want to help uh, people that are in a uh, poorer condition and things like that. And you want to actualize your self-purpose in life. So usually um, when we look at these three components, they are all somehow intercorrelated, but it also correlates to our decision-making process and relates to also real estate. So let me share with you why this is important by sharing with you one to two very simple examples. First example, out of real estate context, but you will help you to, to understand a little bit better, all right? And then later we can have a very fruitful organize, uh, a very fruitful conversation. Let's just imagine you're somebody that wants to set up a chicken rice store, all right? So uh, maybe you have uh, aspiration to start the most delicious chicken rice in Singapore. And uh, you decided to start a chicken rice store, chicken rice. Sorry, I don't know how to draw well. Lah. Even my words are, I cannot, cannot, uh, I mean, every time I always say that you have like doctor's handwriting. Okay. So chicken rice store, you decided to start and um, you have sunk in maybe like a uh, hundred thousand, all right, for your store's renovation or maybe you rented a mini shop. Uh, you have put in the, the, the uh, down, you have put in the deposit for like a two, three year rental. Monthly, you are paying a rent of like uh, maybe $5,000 for small uh, saw and then maybe you need to hire people uh maybe you need to hire two assistant that you are paying them about three thousand dollars times two so that's about six thousand dollars and of course you also need to pay for all your raw materials and miscellaneous and you have already also invested a couple amount into renovation so if the chicken rice store business owner is not doing well so for example they are unsure about the, the sales for next month, November. They are not sure. And they're also not sure about December. And they're also not sure about January because why? Maybe the sales are fluctuating. They have inconsistent revenue and they feel that, hey, month to month, it don't seem very stable. Naturally, this will increase their time preference to a high time preference format for this season because they will be thinking about how to calibrate their business well so that on a month-to-month -month basis, they feel more consistent and more secure. Now, if they are in a high time preference like this, they are not sure about their sales for the following month, what's going to happen is that they will not think about the future that much. They wouldn't keep investing their time and energy during this period to think about, hey, you know, I want to open 10 stores. 
uh, where's my next store going to be? Where's my, uh, how is the renovation for my next store going to be? How is the concept for the next store going to be? Because they will be worrying about this first store first. And because of this insecurity in the short term, they become high time preference and they will not plan for the future. Now let's, let's have another example. If this chicken rice store owner is doing well, and um, the sales are fantastic on a month-to-month -month basis, sometimes up and down, but uh, every month they are profitable and they have been consistent for one year or coming to two years and they have had revenue savings in the business. Naturally, this time preference will be lowered, meaning that the, the chicken rice store business owner will then have a lower time preference because they have revenue savings they are able to reinvest back into the business to improve the business and they can even take out additional savings to invest in a second store. So in order to be low time preference, the first criteria is that there must be security. That means the feeling of anxiousness must be removed. And when you have feelings of security, you can plan for the future and you are then willing to plan for the future. That is what we call low time preference. Now, let me give you an example as well. Let me come to the context of real estate salespersons, all right? Because um, I understand how salespersons function. I've been doing real estate since 2006. Uh, of course, uh, right now I'm running um, PRB Media. I'm running PRB Realty as CEO and co-founder. But I totally understand how real estate salespersons think. So if you're a real estate salesperson looking at this episode, because we, we know that a lot of our colleagues and all that also look at our episodes, this time preference can also be applied to not just salespersons, but all types of self-employed professionals. And so a low time preference versus a high time preference salesperson. So basically whether you are a realtor consultant or you are a financial FA consultant, um, or you're doing sales or, or just, just or, or doing any form of self-employed professional work, this totally applies to professionals as well. Because somebody that is high time preference as let's say a salesperson functioning out in the market, if let's say their month-to-month -month sales is not consistent and they are not even sure whether next month will they have revenue, will they have closings? And uh, let's say every month they're investing, uh, costing into their business, doing marketing, prospecting and things like that. And uh, their sales is not consistent. What is going to happen is that their time preference will start to rise and we call it high time preference. Then they will start to deprioritize the future. They won't even think about, you know, two years later, what I'm going to do with my, my real estate business or my insurance business or whatever uh, professional you're in because they will start to calibrate their mindset that, hey, how should I strategize for next month? How should I strategize for next quarter? Their time preference heighten and they start to think more short term. Now, somebody that is low time preference will be somebody that is consistently doing very well in their business. And uh, similarly, because they are doing well, they have higher security and certainty and they are lowering their time preference, they start to plan for the future. They start to plan, hey, you know, maybe next year, I want to get an office space. Maybe two years later, I'm going to invest in uh, this app for my business, right? I'm going to invest in this technology. I'm going to do this, do that. I'm going to uh, build my team and all kind of stuff. So time preference also applies not just to businesses, to professionals as well. Now, let's come to the third one, which is the one that you guys are very interested in. This is the time preference to make a decision as a property buyer or a property investor, right? So how does this apply? Basically, if let's say you are low time preference versus high time preference, 
your decisions will be different. Now, when will you start to plan for your property or real estate? Basically, you need to make sure that in terms of you and your spouse's income, it is consistent and stable. Because buying a property is a decision that you have to make with prudency. If there's no prudency involved, what is going to happen is that you're going to suffer. Because if you loan from the bank and you cannot pay the mortgage for a consistent three months, what well, they have the right to repossess back your home. Of course, if it's with HDB, similarly, if you're going to pay the money installment, HDB has a right to repossess your home. But of course, for HDB, you can work with HDB to work out a plan and things like that. But definitely with financial institutions, the rule when you sign the letter offer to take a mortgage loan is that after three months, if you really cannot have a plan to repay the money installment, they have the right to repossess your home and force sale it. Usually, we advise... Uh, home buyers like yourself is that if you want to commit to a property, you have to ensure that you have the confidence and the necessary savings to sustain your monthly installments for a minimum period of 24 months, whether by way of your cash savings or your CPF. And of course, in order to attain that, you first must have a consistent income through your work, through your job, through your business with your spouse, and to ensure that you can sustain the installment the moment you buy it. Right, So monthly installment, stability plays out into a form of time preference. So the moment you have this, you definitely lower your time preference. You then start to think, hey, because my income is sustainable, is, is uh, something that is consistent, I think now I'm ready to own my property. Right Now, second thing is that once you have saved up your down payment, through your cash savings, through your CPF savings in your OA account, take note that you cannot use your SA for your, your, your money installment and the down payment. And let's say if you're buying a public housing, a HDB, BTO, or resale, then of course with grants or enhanced housing grant, if you have not watched the previous episode on Standard Plus and Prime Flats, please uh, click on the link. That was the episode that we talked about a lot of things, uh, whether is it a strategy of one HDB and condo, uh, how do you strategize your owner-occupier scheme and stuff like that. Please watch the episode if you're into public housing. And once you have you start to see um, better chances of building out your down payment, you then also lower your time preference and the chances of owning your property increases. Your time preference will start to heighten the moment you lose a job. Or you find that you cannot qualify for a loan. Naturally, this will affect your time preference and you will definitely delay your decision to go into a property. Now, that is for the income portion. However, time preference also relates to your decision based on your knowledge of the market. Now, what do I mean by this? Naturally, if you know, because you have read up a lot, study the market, study Singapore, and you know that Singapore is very different from other countries in terms of demand and supply, that will affect your decision-making for time preference decision or whether to go and buy a property today or delay your decision a few years later. Why? Because if, let's say, example, you know that what is going to happen in three years down the road is that the very same property that you are eyeing for right now, whether is it a condo, or whether is it a landed, or whether is it a HDB property, these are three different types of residential products. And today we just talk about residential properties. So assuming your intent is that you want to buy a condominium to stay. However, based on your knowledge, 
you know that the price of the condominium is going in this direction in three years time, this will affect your time preference decision. Because you know that for the same property, this has the same square footage in the same location, is the same exact property, is going to cost, for example, from 1.5 million, and it's going to be very likely inching to 1.8 or maybe 2 million in three years' time. How does that affect your time preference decision? Naturally, you will have a lower time preference based on this knowledge. You will start to think, hey, I better take some action today. I better start to strategize my, my portfolio, my income, my savings to qualify for the down payment, my TDSR and the loan. And, and I, start, I need to start to plan because if I don't plan now, three years later, I might be priced out. So knowledge plays a part in time preference decision. The reason is because if you have the knowledge of the upcoming supply and the upcoming demand projection, of course, not every, of course, we do not have the crystal ball, but if you look at facts and figures and statistics and you see in terms of policies and the way things are going in Singapore, then that will help you to make a decision based on time preference. So if you have a knowledge that prices are going to go up and we all need to understand a few key factors when it comes to the real estate economic perspectives. And most of the time, whether the price will start to inflate or go up, it relates to a few key factors. Number one, demand. Demand based on the population and the demographics of the people in Singapore that wants to buy a property. Supply of the types of residential supply that's coming out, whether is it HDB supply, condo supply, or landed supply. Policies that are shaping and limiting demand and supply. Most policies are either limiting demand or limiting supply, all right? Um, if the government wants to let the price ease off, they will increase the supply and they will limit the demand. If government wants to let prices accelerate, they'll relax demand policies and allow more demand to come in. For example, they can relax uh, ABSD for foreigners, relax second property ABSD. And um, they can restrict supply. That means they don't want to release too much land and keep land even more scarce for, let's say, uh, condos and HGB. They can naturally tweak the market behavior using policies. And of course, we also have to think about that we have already 16 rounds of cooling measures that's inbuilt in the price system today. And of course, last but not least is the monetary system. Why? Because we have to think on that our monetary system based on after the gold standard since 1970s, monetary supply in the entire global market, including Singapore, is always in the expansionary mode. Why is it in the expansionary mode? The moment somebody takes a loan from a bank, money supply expands. And uh, if you go into just some of the charts, money supply always constantly expands. And it expands based on both ways. One is based on loans and leveraging. The other way is through policies as well. And of course, every time you see this keyword called QE or QT is whether there's quantitative tightening or quantitative easing. These are, of course, a little bit of a deeper kind of economic terms and perspective. We have covered that in our NOTG previous episodes as well. You can refer to that. But importantly is that when you understand through knowledge on these few key things, one, two, three, four, demand supply policies and monetary system, it then gives you a better position to know whether prices has a tendency to move up and inflate or it will start to be stagnant or it will start to go down. Let me give you another example. If let's say I'm not talking about Singapore, I'm talking about another country. 
And let's say you start to deep dive into this country. The first thing you have to look at it is that, let's say you look at country B. Number one, how is the supply of the properties in that country? Is the government always allowing new plots of land to be developed? Because if they have no control of the supply and the country is huge and there's developers as free will to buy up land and build, then you know that you need to fight against the increasing supply. So when you buy something, sometimes for those of you who have purchased like overseas property in certain countries, if let's say you don't do deeper analysis and homework, I'm not saying that uh, overseas properties cannot buy. I'm saying that you have to do deep analysis of homework in the sense that if let's say supply is expanding faster than demand, then you have to be very careful in the sense that you must know what are you buying this home for? Is this for a holiday home? Is this for investing uh, or is this for exit? That means you want to see capital appreciation in a shorter frame of time. Because a lot of countries, when you buy certain kinds of properties, you, if you want to exit, it might be difficult if you're buying in the wrong place or in the wrong country or in the wrong city of a particular country. So you have to think of these two things. And of course, look at the policies. What are the taxes involved as a foreign property owner? And of course, look at the monetary system as well in terms of the interest rates as well as uh, the loan leveraging ratio and stuff like that. If I were to refer back to Singapore, and I think uh, we have already talked about this uh, for a couple of times, basically one of the key elements is to look at the demographics. In terms of the number of units of condominiums, landed and HDB. So HDB, we now have hundred around 1.2 million in totality. Of course, in the next five years, there's going to be about 150 BTOs that will be built. Landed is hovering at about 73 over thousand. And then we have condominiums hovering at about 360,000 plus minus now. And uh, when we look at that, it's very important to also understand when it comes to condominiums, you need to go in for a deeper breakdown. So existingly about 360,000, including the latest new launches, but about 75% are owned by Singaporeans, 20% by foreigners and PR, 5% by companies. And we also have to understand from the perspectives of foreign investors that already own properties in Singapore, either under company or foreigners or PR, is that the tendency for them to exit is very low. Because why? The moment they exit, if they want to repurchase back, they'll be taxed with the latest 60% ABSD. Because most of them have already bought in before the 60% ABSD that was being implemented in April this year. So when you look at this aspect, a deeper aspect is to understand also the policies of who is allowed to buy what kind of properties. And uh, we technically segregated um, the demographics in the four portions. Singaporeans, about 3.5 million by 2030. PRs, we have about 600,000 by 2030 based on uh, the white paper projection. Foreigners in Singapore, working in Singapore, but of course, there are various tiers of foreigners working in Singapore. There are, there are foreigners that are in the service sector, construction sector and stuff like that. It's about 2.9 million. Foreigners not in Singapore is an unknown figure. We also look at what kind of residential properties are allowed to be purchased by what kind of citizenship status. And all this actually plays a huge part in managing your time preference ideation because the last last part will be then landed homes which has plateaued at 73,000 units. And of course, that's one of the reasons why landed homes has continued to, to go up uh, in notches in every quarter in terms of its price index. And so to finalize, this is of course a very huge topic 
but uh, and and it also relates to whether do you want to continue renting or purchasing. But and we already covered for rental uh, decision on a previous episode because rental has a lot of intangible pros and cons as well. Some people love flexibility. Some people love uh, to change homes every couple of years. Some people just um, are, is still in the phase of uh, saving up for their down payment and things like that. And I think most importantly is that uh, if you are in a season of deciding whether to time or not to time the market, then base your decision based on time preference and try to come from a perspective of knowledge by investing a little bit more time to understand about the four key factors that we talk about. Demand in Singapore, supply in Singapore, policies in Singapore, last but not least is the monetary system globally and of course in Singapore. And uh, with that, it will also kickstart for us for the next few episodes into cracking the code. We'll talk deeper about how we analyze condos landed and other kinds of properties. And we hope that you enjoyed this series with us. We'll see you on the next NOTG. In the meantime, take care. And, but most importantly, in terms of the amount of 